Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Very happy to be back with you folks for another week of the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast Podcast with Neil and Roger and John, myself, Bob Duco. Guys, how are you? Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, Bob. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, good to hear. Happy good Thanksgiving. Uh, so this is going to be a, a special Thanksgiving episode of the podcast. And so everybody knows we are recording this on Wednesday morning. So for us, tomorrow is Thanksgiving. But some of you listening to this, it may be today or yesterday was Thanksgiving. So but we're going to talk about a lot of different Thanksgiving related issues, uh, some of them political, some of them theological and biblical, some of them just kind of lighthearted and fun. And I thought maybe, guys, what we could do to kick this off is just kind of go around the table and talk about everybody's Thanksgiving plans. I mean, what, uh, uh, Neil, maybe we could start with you, Neil Boron. What, uh, what's the Boron family plan? What's, uh, and we'll see who's got the best Thanksgiving plan here that everybody else can covet. <laughs> what, are you guys, what are you guys gonna do? We're in full wait and see mode for this year. The reason I'm saying that is because there's been a lot of sickness kind of, you know, moving through the family here and mm. stomach virus things and all of that. But if, if everything works out as we were hoping, then that means that our three grown children now will be coming over with spouses and grandkids and the entire Boron family will be gathered at our house this year. And that's a blessing. And we've been able to do that a number of times over the past few years, but because, you know, some of the kids are married and stuff, then you're dealing with the in-laws. Mm. And um, that always creates, you know, a question as to who's going to go where for Thanksgiving or for Christmas and all of that. But anyway, uh, very much looking forward to having everybody here and lo still lamenting the fact that uh, six years ago, I had to retire from Thanksgiving Day morning tackle football in the mud. Um, I'll never, <laughs> you know, I'll never be able to let that go. I just miss it, you know, with all my heart. But um, God bless all the people that are going to be out playing football tomorrow morning. Yeah. All right. Well, that's, that sounds uh, pretty cool. So uh, John Rush, of course, Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado. What's what's a Rush Thanksgiving like? Well, and, and a lot like Neil, it varies year to year depending upon the kids and elder in-laws and all the different things that happen that way. This year, though, we have a new baby that was born last Friday, my youngest son, and so uh, our plan is to have sort of a quieter Thanksgiving because of all that. Mom's still recovering, so we're going to go to their place and hang out, have a new puppy I just got as well, so it will be a very fun-filled family Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. It sounds like it. And Roger Marsh, of course, the bottom line, People's Republic of California. Roger, do they celebrate Thanksgiving out in California? In certain areas, yes. But there's actually one co county in California, <laughs> I think it's Contra Costa, that issued a indoor mask mandate for people's homes starting oh, today. <laughs> so uh, yeah, if you're going to have Thanksgiving dinner, remember, that was the deal last year, too, was, you know, everybody has to eat on the patio, you know, lift the mask, take a bite, lift it. We're not doing any of that at the Marsh household, by the way. Uh, last year, Lisa and I have six kids between the two of us. It was our first blended Thanksgiving, and it was a blast. And it was a lot of work for Lisa, and I did a lot of cleanup. I mean, I, the, my, my gift to her on Thanksgiving is I stay out of the kitchen. But uh, this year, the kids are scattered, and so we're just going to do a very low key, and we'll kind of rest up for next year. But it's going to be a lot of fun because we also have a, a new granddaughter. I mean, Zipporah was born back in March, and so this will be her first Thanksgiving. And her dad is traveling right now, so we're going to be family to them. But uh, uh, that'll be kind of a the low key. The odd years are going to be low key in the Marsh household, and the even years are going to be here comes everybody, and that's fine with us. 
Yeah. No, that sounds great. I mean, we're going to uh, – yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We've got the, the kids coming over, of course. Well, one of the one of the kids we won't have because they uh, – this is their, you know, in-law year the other way. So we kind of have to do the back-and-forth thing like that. But uh, after we – most of us have Thanksgiving dinner here at the house, then we're actually most of us going to then caravan – up north to northern Michigan, we got a, a place up north, and uh, we're just going to spend the Thanksgiving weekend then up there. Uh, and then the, the the two sons who aren't able to make it up there originally are going to come up partway through the weekend. So yeah, I'm looking forward to it. We're going to have a nice semi-traditional Thanksgiving, uh, I suppose. I, I'm, I'm can, can I just ask you a quick, quick question? Yeah, now? Bob. One of the things I just said this to my wife the other day. Like I, there's certain things that just, I just enjoy, you know, I love morning sunshine and, you know, Mm -hmm. I, I love looking at pine trees and all kinds of stuff. But one of the things that really, I mean, over the years, for some reason, for some strange reason has brought me comfort is watching the Detroit lions on Thanksgiving day, (laughs) you know, their silver gray, blue uniforms and how it looks, you know, they're in an indoor stadium and I don't know, I've just always enjoyed it but i'm wondering as a detroit lions fan and i, I believe they're oh eight and one is the record right now something That's like correct. that they haven't won a game this year uh, and they keep getting on national television for thanksgiving day so what's that like being a detroit fan i gotta know it's humiliating okay <laughs> every thanksgiving <laughs> the whole country gets to see how bad the lions are you know i mean <laughs> I, I know they know that statistically when they look at the numbers but it's like Thanksgiving here in Detroit area. It's kind of a Thanksgiving tradition that, okay, well, let's see, we're going to get together, get together with family, have some turkey, watch the Lions lose. And it's just a matter of fact, <laughs> part of our regular day. Watch the Lions lose and see how much they lose by. Uh, and by wow. the way, 08 and 1, that one mm-hmm. tie that they had. They would have won that game. They missed an extra point. That's why they tied. Oh. <laughs> so like, this is, this is how weak the Lions are. So I don't know who we're going to – actually, this Saturday – here in Michigan, everybody's paying attention to this is Michigan-Ohio State uh, this weekend, which is a oh, wow. major yep. – I mean, it's a big nation nationwide rivalry, but here in Michigan – and, of course, I was raised in Columbus, Ohio – so it's like, wow, you know, I'm really a double-minded man uh, on weekends like this. So the big <laughs> yeah. Michigan-Ohio State game is going to be gone. So everybody's it's going to be a, a lot of football that we that we end up watching around here. Now, I'm curious, is anybody going to take the advice of NBC's Today Show and not do turkey, but maybe have an Italian meal or something like that because, you know, turkey's so expensive – Plus, you got PETA and other groups that are saying, "Hey, this is this is so wrong. It's unfair to the poor turkey." You know, poor little uh, Tom the turkey is like, "Gobble gobble!" Here comes Thanksgiving again. And so, uh, anybody here going to go tofurkey or any kind of non-traditional? Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what the woke crowd says we need to do, guys. I'm, just I'm sorry, Bob. You know. You're you're breaking up there. When you said something <laughs> stop, for a minute stop, there about stop. not having turkey, and uh, stop, I, just, stop the I don't hate. know. Yeah, <laughs> man. That's all right, a, so we well, don't have to, Roger. We don't have to feel bad about eating turkey, right? We don't at feel all. bad about. 
Okay. At all. Don't no, no no guilt, no shame, not whatsoever. Have a great time. Eat what you're going to have. Have the people over you're going to have. Celebrate the way you're going to have. You know, and understand. Do it with caution too. I mean, we had a bit of COVID run through our extended family. My oldest daughter and her husband both got it, and his mom and uh, stepdad got it. And unfortunately, mom and stepdad got it, and they were kind of a denial about it. Oh, it's just a cold. It's no big deal. This, that, and the other thing. And wound up giving it to some rather elderly relatives too. So, I mean, for crying out loud, take care of your health. I mean, you know, do do what yeah. you need to do. But when it comes yeah. to the food and the celebration and things like that, if you've all purpose to get together and get together, then by all means, and, and I'm saying this from the People's Republic where I'm sure they probably have, uh, we're going to have SWAT teams out in front of our house tomorrow, you know, looking for, a, <laughs> you know, is there a turkey in that house? Do you have relatives in there who aren't wearing masks? I mean, you know, come on. I mean, it's it's Thanksgiving. It's a meal. Have some fun. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Does anybody have any idea what turkey prices are? I can tell you that um, in the past, in Western New York anyway, there's usually some grocery store that uses turkey as kind of a lost leader in they past still years. Do. You know, mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, like 19 yep. cents a pound. Yeah, but right. this year, it's in the neighborhood of 48 cents a pound, which is a lot more. However, I mean, if you think like 20 pound turkey at 48 cents a pound, that's about ten dollars for a turkey. Mm -hmm. That's not that much money. But and, and their cost, by the way, is in the mid two dollars. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's yeah, obviously, we just, yeah. Yeah, we just we just got ours, and it was about two dollars a pound. Okay, two dollars a pound. Oh, wow. Okay, in California. So they're taking a so, big loss on those. But we, Mary uh, just bought a turkey the other day uh, from a store that we love and appreciate, owned by Christians. It's an organic meat market kind of thing, all natural, organic, you know, grass fed, whatever. Um, Twenty-two pound turkey, one hundred and sixteen dollars. Booyah! Yeah. <laughs> um, wow. Wow, yeah. I hope we enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Well, according to Farm Bureau, the average all across America, the price of turkey is up 24% over last year. Uh, nice. So Bidenflation is, is hitting people. And, of course, it hits the poor more than anybody else we got to remember. But you know what, guys? Let's take a quick break and then we'll pick it up from there. We're just kind of having, uh, starting out everybody with a little bit of lighthearted time, just kind of chatting about uh, our families and Thanksgiving. We got some more serious stuff we'll be getting into. That's all coming up as we continue this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible verse by verse through in-depth attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth For Life on many Crawford radio stations or listen online at truthforlife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at truthforlife.org or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truth For Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with myself, Bob Duco, with Roger Marsh, John Rush, Neil Boron. I'm talking about all things Thanksgiving on this Thanksgiving week. By the way, I got to tell you guys uh, just a, a quick Thanksgiving anecdote, true story. You know, as I said, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and when we were kids, we would always go over to Grandma's house, and it was you know over the river and through the woods, and and so, uh, but we would go to Grandma's house, and my grandmother was, oh, she was the antithesis of sophistication or class. I mean, she honestly, when we would go there. She didn't even use ladles sometimes when she would dish out the food. She would scoop stuff out with her hand and slap it on our plates. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I love you, We'd be like crying, I don't want to eat this. <laughs> That's awesome. It, right? But she was just really, really. Uh, she literally one time pulled a shotgun on a salesman on her porch. So this, mm. is, this is who she was. But anyway, 
when my brother Mike and I, when we were little, we would, you know, go over to grandma's and, and one time she was out in the garage and she called us. She's like, Bob, you know, Bobby is what I said. Bobby, Mike, come here, help me out. So we go in the kitchen. Uh, she goes, bring me that chicken over there. So there's chickens. And so she, we, we get a chicken, we take it over to her and she sits there and she just rings the neck right in front of us. And she's just sort of ringing the chickens and we're like, bah! you know, we go screaming and running out of there. It's like grandma's gone crazy. Well, <laughs> this is how she was. Well, this one year we're little and she buys this turkey, like in the spring, a living turkey. And we called him Tom. And all year long, this is her pet. We had no clue. Uh, what was coming up that November? Okay, we just we were stupid. Neither did kids. Tom. We, we didn't put two and two together. Okay, we just go over to Grandma and we're playing with Tom and you know just just playing around with the turkey, having no clue. And suddenly it's Thanksgiving time, and we all go over to Grandma's for Thanksgiving. Everybody aunts and uncles, everybody's there, uh, and me and Mike, we're still not putting two and two together. Okay, we're just like, where's Tom? You know, uh, we can't find him anywhere. And then finally, it's during Thanksgiving dinner, we realized we're eating Tom. And we were crying, and it was just so, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, you know, maybe maybe I'm going all woke now. And, and uh, no, you know what? No, I, I don't want tofurkey. Uh, I want turkey. I want to enjoy it. And I'm not even going to think twice about it. But I, you know. I got to be honest and say, I'm never going to look at Bobby, the Hills Have Eyes, Duco the same way ever again. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had to see my grandmother. She was like a Saturday Night Live character. She really was. Uh, but anyway, so in talking about, though, it, we're still having a little bit of lighthearted time because, like I say, we're going to get into some more heavy, serious stuff, especially in the second half of the podcast. But I am curious about the food issue here, though, because... Uh, and, and like I say, this is kind of a change. Everybody listens to the podcast. They, they listen to the four of us. They hear our commentary on things, theological, biblical, uh, political, everything else. And I thought maybe this is a chance for them to get to know us maybe a little bit personally. So uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the food. We're all in agreement. Turkey, it's got to be the real deal turkey, right? Uh, unless there's no standouts here, Correct. Works yeah, for me. Yeah, That's right, what everybody right, should have. Right, yes. Looks Real like deal. we're good. Yeah. Looks like we're good. Okay. What about the other stuff? Because there's one of the things that my family makes fun of me on, and I'm just kind of curious to get you guys on this. When it comes to the cranberries, I actually don't like the real cranberries. They have like sticks and stems and all that kind of baloney in them. What I actually I prefer the canned processed cranberry paste that when you empty it out of the can it comes out like cat food foop, and then jiggles on the plate where you can still see the <laughs> contours of the can okay and there's a to me that's cranberry sauce that's what i actually prefer nobody else like that likes that i'm the freak in the family they have to buy one can just for me and then we end up throwing away 80 percent of that can but that's what we do every year that's so, nasty bob by the way uh, Okay, so no. you like the real current? I don't why like any not- of them, but but that right. especially. Okay, but why is it better to be picking stems out of your teeth uh, I, with real cranberries? I'm a, I'm just, a, I'm a neither it. guy, so I don't want them with the stems. I don't want them out of the can. I'm not a cranberry guy. Period. That's right. I would, it can be left off not. the off the whole table for all I'm concerned. I would Neil, not eat Roger. them with the stems. I would not eat them from there. The you go, I would Roger. Not eat them. Exactly. Well, I mean, no, you know, no. I, I realize that I I still have those those memories though of. 
being at my grandmother's house, we got the linen tablecloth on top of the real thing with a pad and this, that, and the other thing. And someone would take the cranberry paste or whatever it is out of the can. And like Bob described, you've got the indentations there. And it was just part of the deal. I've never had cranberry sauce. And my wife makes it homemade. So, so the, really? quite frankly, she does the homemade stuff. And I have a little bit because... I love my wife, right? I mean, I'm not really big on cranberry sauce, but but to Bob's point, if you're having holiday traditions and you're just used to seeing that can there with all the indentations, Bob, you go, you do that well, and see, you have you to enjoy it. There you go. But I yeah, think it no, tastes no. better and it's lower maintenance because I don't have to pick anything out of my teeth uh, with that. <laughs> and so, I'm not Neil, a huge fan Neil, of you're my last best hope to find somebody who's with me on the uh, on the paste, the cranberry paste. High five, Bob. Give me the jiggles. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of cranberry sauce, but I want the jiggles for sure. Hey, I'll tell you what. Watch me on the treadmill. You're going to get all the jiggles you can handle, pal. Exactly. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, you know what? That's uh, th that's not too bad. Now, uh, l let's start sliding ever so slowly into some more serious aspects of this discussion. First of all, uh, there are controversies that uh, people try to, especially on the left, the woke crowd, they try to make Thanksgiving uh, an unsavory holiday that, uh, well, look at the, the poor Indians and we stole the land from the Indians and this is not something we should be celebrating. We're really celebrating genocide, we tell you, uh, and this type of thing. I, I saw you had uh, MSNBC did a segment on this saying that, quote, genocide is still on the menu. Uh, and really the pilgrims and all this, this is about promoting white supremacy and stealing the land from the Native Americans. Uh, but it's, it's, just, it's not just them. You have Green Matters, which is this environmental climate change kind of group. And they're saying that it's not environmentally friendly to eat your traditional Thanksgiving uh, Turkey. You also have not just the vegans and such complaining, uh, but you also have, as I mentioned before, the NBC Today Show feature saying, oh, turkey's overrated and it's so expensive, so try something different. Plus, if you don't serve turkey, maybe some family won't show up and, hey, that'll save you money too. And I'm like, wow, you have to be kidding me. USA Today published a headline this week, quote, what is Thanksgiving to indigenous people? A day of mourning, uh, and I'm like, I'm thinking, come on, you know, it, it just it seems like it's getting a little bit silly here. The New York Times, by the way, uh, published a piece from a Virginia Tech professor suggesting regarding COVID that if your children aren't fully vaccinated, that a they should wear masks during Thanksgiving, and then b tell your children eat quickly. I kid you not, his exact words, eat quickly so that you can hurry up, get it eaten, and not get too close to grandma or grandpa if you haven't been fully vaccinated. That's a New York Times piece that ran. Uh, I'd love to get some of your thoughts on just the silly, woke crowd and how they're ruining Thanksgiving on top of everything else. Any thoughts, anybody? Yeah, I'll jump in and just say that I think the whole thing is ridiculous, to be honest with you. Did did things happen in the past that we're not proud of? A hundred percent. And, you know, have indigenous people suffered as a result of some of those decisions? One hundred percent. But my question is, what exactly is the woke crowd doing about it? I mean, they're complaining about it and they make everybody else feel bad for celebrating some holiday known as Thanksgiving. But, 
uh, and these are people that are really long on problems and short on solutions. Like I don't see anything materializing of substance other than complaining, literally. Um, is, is anyone willing to give up the home they live in, the, the property they own, and just say, look at, uh, you know, two, 200 years ago, 500 years ago, somebody did something wrong in the past, and so you can have my land, you can have my house, I'm going to give it back to you. Um, you don't see that kind of thing happening. So so what is that really all about, other than just trying to push some kind of a political agenda? And they're, and and the they're other- mad at the wrong people, too, Neil and guys. I mean, they're mad at us today when right. what really started all of that back in the beginning of the country was the Brits, the English, which we left. You know, we left King George. We came over here. We started a new country. Well, they didn't like that. So not only did they not like the fact that we won the Revolutionary War, but then they did every single thing possible to make sure that we did not migrate west. And so what they did was they hired the Indians the Native Americans, to actually fight against us. They're the ones that armed them. They're the ones that created this rift, if you would, from the get-go. If you really want to get mad at anybody, be mad at the Brits. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> well Tell you what, that's a very fair point. Let's do this. Quick break. I want to pick it up from there. Uh, coming up next here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. Continuing the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John and Neil and Roger and myself, Bob. We're talking about all things Thanksgiving. Uh, John, let me go a little bit deeper into what you guys are talking about here, the the rift that's created between uh, the Americans, the, the American settlers, which originally were British settlers, you're right, and the Indians. There is a a perception that the white man came to this country and stole this land from the Native Americans. And and I guess I'd love to get you guys' take on this. And Roger, maybe we could start with you on this. Uh, I've always looked at it like this, that yes, we broke treaties with the Indians. Yes, we we did some wrong things with the Indians, Trail of Tears. I'm not denying any of the sins that, that we've had here. But in all fairness, I don't see how we can say that we're occupying the Indians' land even as of this day. When the settlers came over here originally from uh, originally Christopher Columbus, I suppose. But then when you get to the pilgrims and everything, at that time, 99.9% of the North American landmass was uninhabited. Okay, the population of Indians in proportion to the amount of land that there uh, that there is, Roger, was extremely low. So it, it's almost like if you have a brand new continent and you have less than one-tenth of one percent, one one-hundredth of one percent of the landmass that's occupied uh, by some small villages here or there, does that mean the other 99.99% of all of that landmass is now off limits to exploration? To me, that makes absolutely no sense. So whoever steps foot for the first time in South America, they own the entire continent now. Uh, they're just, to me, it's a little bit silly to say that this land is occupied falsely by white thieves who have taken it from the Native Americans. 99.99% of this land was open for exploration. And I don't think we ought to feel bad. We ought to feel bad about some of the some of the wrong things that we did in violating treaties. And I get that, but not for 
exploring into this land. If you take a look at Europe and take a look at other parts of the world and see how their boundaries and borders have changed over the years, you could make the same claim, too. We've got to go back and restore everything, you know, to the way it was when the first people showed up. And that takes us back to Adam and Eve in Iraq and the Garden of Eden, you know, if you, if you, if you right. really want to boil it down to that. You know, and it's, it's been fascinating to me because in Lisa's family, there's some Native American heritage. And so I've been doing a lot of digging over the past couple of years, just trying to get the straight story, because I think one of the biggest problems with this, and we could talk about this more in the podcast section I'm sure is the is the fact that when it comes to the outrage you know as, as John was talking about Neil's mentioned you know and Bob as you've raised as well uh, oftentimes the outrage begins with what part of the elephant you're looking at you know in all honesty and so when when did the outrage begin is it 1492 is it you know the many there are some people who believe that Indians have been you know Native Americans have been in, in the Americas for 15,000 years you know well I'm a biblical worldview young earth guy so I don't think the world's been around for 15,000 years let alone millions and millions but mm -hmm. then who got here first well I mean as near as I could Probably Probably the, the early, Asians, actually. Yeah, the, it's the Asians coming across, you know, from uh, right. the, the parts of Alaska that are now, you know, waterways. And so, uh, okay, so they got here first. But to your point, I've read some reports that estimate they said by the time that Columbus got here, there were 50 million Indians all over North America. I'm like, wait, there's 330 million people now, and we're pretty jam-packed. I have a hard time <laughs> believing there were 50 million Native no, Americans here. when the, by the and, and if there were, wow, the Pinta, Nina, and Santa Marina overtook all of them? I mean, I, it doesn't make it, well, they spread. I mean, it's just, right. there's a lot of, things that don't quite add up and so yeah to your point i think absolutely you know ask for forgiveness for the things that were done wrongly people have you know man's inhumanity against man for years and years and years but i think we have to try to at least try to work towards some kind of consensus as to where we are and quite frankly if the outrage is going to be that selective we're never going to get it yeah no, that's a good point which by the way uh i don't know if i've ever told you guys this before but did you know that i'm actually one eighth cherokee uh, my my grandmother on my mother's side was half Cherokee. My mom was a quarter, and I'm an eighth. My kids are sixteenth. And I looked this up, and if I want to be part of Cherokee Nation, I actually could, because uh, I think you have to be one sixteenth or above. And I'm one eighth. And there's all kinds of government benefits that I'm entitled to. Uh, if I yeah, yeah you have eleven billion coming out of the last infrastructure bill, by the way, Bob. Well, yeah, you know that's true. So go get it, Bob. Go get uh, it. You know what? But look, between me and Elizabeth Warren, I'm thinking. You know, we we need to claim our our Cherokee status, I suppose. But I I, I don't know. I, I've never really thought much about that. I, I think it would be silly to try to claim, if you will, an ethnic identity in that. But Elizabeth Warren sure did. I mean, and, and really, this is a, a conversation probably for you know even a later podcast because we could devote a full hour to this and right. you know some of the injustices you guys have talked about. But then also, you know, and, and again, I probably get criticized for saying this, but you know, the amount of money that we as a nation have then given and provided to Indian nations, some of which, by the way, have done really well and they have flourished and they've taken that money and, and given it out to their their you know members and they've been been very good at that while others haven't others just let's just face it they, somebody at the top the leadership doesn't know how to handle that influx of money you know there's there's times where they'll do casinos and they either work or they don't i mean there's so much there to unpack guys that that uh let's just say this do i feel bad having turkey dinner on thanksgiving and thanking the good lord above for everything that he's given us as a nation and me personally i have no guilt whatsoever guys yeah, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this because there, there are, in the second half of this podcast, there's a lot of things that we're going to talk about as we dive deeper into many different facets of 
Thanksgiving, and we invite you folks to join us on the second half of this podcast. Uh, you can listen to the second half online uh, by go- going to crawfordmediagroup.net. Uh, you can also uh, listen wherever you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. We always welcome your five-star reviews. We thank you so much for that. And we're going to continue the second half of this special Thanksgiving edition of the National Crawford Roundtable next. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting production. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with Neil Boron of Neil Boron Live from Buffalo, New York, Roger Marsh from The Bottom Line from the People's Republic of California, John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Colorado, myself, Bob Duco from The Bob Duco Show out of Detroit. We're talking all things Thanksgiving this week. Uh, By the way, guys, I do want to, a little bit of politics about this. We touched on this briefly, but before we start getting to uh, Scripture and and God and and trusting in God and thanking Him for everything, there is a political reality going on right now. Things are a lot more expensive in the age of Joe Biden than they were just a year ago when Donald Trump was president. And we got to remember, this inflation stuff, this is hurting the poor more than anything else. Here's some numbers from Farm Bureau. First of all, a turkey, a 16-pound turkey, on average, up 24% over last year. Uh, Frozen pie crusts are up 20%. A can of pumpkin pie mix, up 7%. Whipping cream, up 2%. Hey, not bad. Uh, One dozen dinner rolls are up 15%. A 12-ounce bag of fresh cranberries, fresh cranberries, 12-ounce bag of fresh cranberries, up 11%. Uh, who cares? It's a bunch of sticks. Uh, mm. One gallon of whole milk is up 7%. One pound of frozen peas up 6%. Who uses frozen peas for Thanksgiving? Anyway, three pounds of sweet potatoes up 4%. A one pound veggie tray is up 12%. Various miscellane- miscellaneous ingredients to prepare a Thanksgiving meal are up 12%. Th- these, are, th- these are real costs guys that people are experiencing in this country. And I think that we need to recognize from a political vantage point, liberal Democrat policies, they do not work. They hurt the poor more than anybody else. Uh, We see the inflation happening. We see the supply chain issues happening. Uh, We see, of course, that that, that this continues to grow and get worse in this country, it seems. Uh, You you add to this a massive 1.75 so-called infrastructure bill. Uh, This just increases inflation that much more. While Jen Psaki says, there's no economist that says inflation is coming. Are you kidding me? there does come a point, maybe John, get your political take on this. There comes a point where uh, independent, centrist-minded voters have to start realizing, wait a minute here, Donald Trump, for all his bluster and personality, my goodness, look at the results economically Mm -hmm. that was produced compared to just one year later with Democrats having their way and look at the economic result. Yeah, and everything you just talked about, Bob, the majority of that can be attributed to two things. 
First being wages, which we all know have gone up. The second, right. which, by the way, has been, I believe, government created also through all the payouts and other things we've done through COVID. The second is gas is up 33% from what it was a year ago. So if you think about it, given all those price matrices you just gave a moment ago, frankly, companies are doing really, really well at controlling their costs with knowing that their transportation costs of all the goods you just mentioned is up 33% for their, their raw cost of fuel alone and only to have some of those smaller amounts of increases, which really some of those at 4 or 5%, knowing they've got a 33% jump in fuel prices from a year ago and labor costs and so on. The reality is that you know many of these companies, it shows you how, 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 uh, how resourceful, I guess the word I'm looking for, a lot of these companies and their owners are to be able to handle that in such a way and not really ding the American population, which frankly, they could be right now. We've got an energy secretary who I think yesterday was asked how many gallons <laughs> of gasoline or you know, how many barrels of oil, I should right. say, how many barrels of oil does the United States use on a daily basis? By the way, I could have rattled that number off because I look at it all the time. It's 18 million barrels a day. She had no clue how much we Dude, even use on a daily basis. That shows you She's how my former out of governor, touch. by the way. That's uh, my former this governor. Shows how out of touch this, this, this current administration uh. is with, with what's going on in the real world. Oh, I know. I know. Uh, Roger, some of your thoughts may be on inflation and uh, when some of the at least centrist voting Americans who tend to lean Democrat, when maybe they're going to wake up and go, you know something, if we just look at results, uh, the Democrats should not be in charge. You know, I think the more we keep having these conversations, talking about the actual facts. I mean, you saw that he, uh, that President Biden actually hit the, uh, uh, the the panic button, the reserve button, and released 50 million barrels of oil. Well, that's great. But like John said, that's a three-day supply. I mean, right. Wall Street just yawned. They, they didn't care. And three that's for supply, emergencies. By, by, real quick, I want to jump in real quick too, Roger. That's also for a type of crude we don't use much of. at sour crude, which I don't know why we're storing that in the first place. And we have our own supply of sweet crude we could have filled it mm -hmm. up with. But at any rate, that sour crude that's most likely going to go to most of it go to China, most likely. So it's of not going to help us here at all. No. And, and quite frankly, we have the pipelines. We could do the drilling. The solutions are right here. They're not that difficult. One of the things that made the Trump presidency so brilliant was just undoing leftist Democrat policies and, and, and watching the, the market flourish and succeed. You know, it's interesting. I was reading the CBO report of the infrastructure bill. Remember, the $1.2 trillion. But that's not going to add any penny. It's going to make, you know, put more money in your pockets. And they said it actually is going to add nearly $400 billion to the federal deficit. So, I mean, it, it's, it's not going to cost the full 1.2, but it is going to cost $400 you know, billion. The fact that the Democratic Party has gotten so bad at, uh, at any kind of economic policies and any kind of standards, I think more and more people are waking up to it. You know, I mean, you can see it like in the Kyle Rittenhouse uh, the, uh, case and, and, the, and the acquittal and the people who are losing their minds over the fact was that Stephen Colbert even saying, well, if he's not guilty, they should change the law so he is. I mean, that tells you in a nutshell exactly where the left is. It tells you exactly where they are. I want him guilty, so therefore change the law and make him guilty. I want to feel good about these policies, so change the law. Who cares if we go bankrupt? Who cares if we become you know, China junior, you know, quite frankly, and not for the right reasons? That's, that's where they are. The question is now and always will be, how many people on the conservative side of the conversation are willing to reach across at least partway to the aisle uh, to get to the centrist voter and say, are you going to put up with this anymore? Because we all know elections are not won and lost with the hardline Republicans or hardline Democrats. They're won with the moderates, the people who could go either way. Tell you what, so true. Let's take another short break. We'll pick it up from there next here on the National Crawford Roundtable. Learn how to walk the narrow path with Steve Gray. 
With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. Listen to The Narrow Path on many Crawford radio stations or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable podcast, uh, talking about all things Thanksgiving. And uh, Neil, maybe a, a thought from you before we move off of the uh, the politics of this, the inflationary numbers. Uh, look what happens with uh, certainly oil and energy and, I mean, Roger and John are absolutely right. Undoing the mm-hmm. leftist policies was a really smart thing for Trump to do. It got us to energy independence. Now we can't even drill our own oil, our own resources. We can't drill in Anwar, which, by the way, Anwar, just so everybody knows, the entire Anwar region is the size of South Carolina. Uh, but the actual drilling area Football of Anwar... Field. Is is actually two thirds the size of Metropolitan Detroit Airport. Right. Okay, two thirds the size. The actual of drill the- site itself isn't more than a couple of football fields, Bob. Yes, it, it's very small. Uh, and by the way, it's frozen tundra. And you know something, the caribou can just shift over a couple of hundred yards. It's, they did when we put the pipeline, and all the all of the wildlife when we did the pipeline came right back. No, in fact, most of the wildlife had flourished because the pipeline gave them warmth that they didn't have otherwise, so right. it actually helped them. It didn't hurt them. Yeah, but the important thing is Biden and the Democrats are okay granting a green light to Nord Stream 2 so the Vladimir Putin can put a bunch of Russians to work, but eh, right. I digress. Uh, Neil, your thoughts on the the political aspect of this and inflation and, and just the results that we're seeing that really are hurting poor people in America more than anybody else? Well, I'm not much of a politician, and I'm really not an economist. I used to hate uh, economics and uh, didn't do well in that subject in school for sure. But let me just say this. I do remember poignantly watching some kind of a movie when I was, I think, in elementary school, maybe middle school. And it was a picture of people standing in a bread line with uh, wheelbarrows full of cash waiting to get bread uh, during World War II in Europe. And I remember thinking, how in the world could that happen? How is it possible that things could become so expensive. And I do remember somebody making a comment, you know, when a government just prints money, it's essentially meaningless and essentially you're opening the door for inflation down the road. And I don't understand all the economics behind it, but I do know that our government gives away an awful lot of money. And, you know, even you look at the COVID-related stuff, like kind of what happened with unemployment benefits and COVID-related benefits and the stimulus packages and the whole thing. And, and, And now on top of this, this massive infrastructure bill which I would love for somebody to actually track those dollars, like mark them and track them. Let's see where they actually end up. You know, are we going to ha- have better roads and bridges or are we going to be funding, you know, some center for the arts in Eastern Europe or something? Like, I really want to know what exactly this money's going to be used for. However, all that said, I, and I think I mentioned this last week, even on the podcast, might have been two weeks ago, that a study was done recently here in Western New York State Um which by and large is a blue state. Uh, there's a lot of conservative people, you know, be- be- who live between the big cities. But then you got New York City, uh, Buffalo, Rochester, Syracuse. That's that's in those towns is where uh, the Democrats live. And so it's a Democratic-controlled state. Uh, Buffalo, New York, in Democratic-controlled Erie County, mayor, common council in Buffalo, all controlled by Democrats. So the study comes out: 31 years over the last 31 years, nothing 
appreciably has changed for people in the African-American community. Minority groups in the city of Buffalo are no better off than they were 31 years ago. And I just think somehow by process of elimination, no matter what the media says, no matter how people try to spin the, the liberal narrative that somehow, you know, handing out stuff to poor people is just the best thing for our community and for our country, that people are beginning to wake up and saying, wait a minute, you know, these policies actually don't work. Like our lives are not appreciably better as a result of all this. And that's why I think that Donald Trump, even in 2020, uh, was beginning to gain uh, uh, some momentum in the minority community, in the Latino community, people that really don't want socialism, you know, the people that fled socialism to come to the United States. So I don't know, but I, I just kind of think no matter what the media is saying in every effort to kind of blind the American people to the realities of what's going on behind the scenes, I think people are smarter than that. And again, that mushy middle matters. What I mean is you've got your crazy liberals on one side, you've got your staunch conservatives on the other. It's just convincing enough people. Bob, you did a phenomenal job explaining how just a few percentage points change the entire landscape in, in any election. And I just think that if we can do a better job of helping people to understand what actually works and why things don't work, especially when they're coming from the liberal progressive Democratic Party, uh, that there's an opportunity to see a massive change of attitude in our country and a change at the polls come the next election. Yeah, well, we definitely need to see that. Let's, uh, let's shift the conversation to uh, really the, the, the purpose of Thanksgiving, okay? We are, we're thanking God. There's so much for us to be thankful for. And, you know, I think about... Uh, I think about the the pilgrims when they first came here, the, the Mayflower Compact. I just I want to read a portion of this because this is an example of the kind of stuff, guys, that's censored from school history books. This ought to be part of American history. It is part of American history, but uh, it, you're never going to read this in any school history books, that the pilgrims, when they came here, their purpose for being here was actually... Uh, promoting an advancement of the Christian faith. Okay, that's what they wanted to do. For example, uh, the Mayflower Compact starts out this way, quote, agreement between the settlers at New Plymouth, 1620. In the name of God, amen. We whose names are underwritten, the loyal subjects of our dread sovereign Lord King James, by the grace of God of Great Britain, France, and Ireland, King, defender of the faith, and having undertaken for the glory of God, and advancement of the Christian faith, and in the honor of our king and country, a voyage to plant the first colony in the northern parts of Virginia. And so we need to understand, for all of the sins of our founding fathers, and, and yes, you know, humans are not perfect. For the last 6,000 years, you've had imperfect human beings. But the bottom line, the intention for coming here was to advance the Christian faith, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and I would say, guys, even up to the founding of this nation, what a lot of people don't even know, George Washington addressed the Delaware Indian chiefs on May 12, 1779. Now, the Delaware Indian chiefs, these are a bunch of religious people, okay? They practice our Native American our religions. And George Washington said to them, quote, you would do well to wish to learn our arts and ways and above all the religion of Jesus Christ. This will make you a greater and happier people than you already are. Congress will do everything they can to assist you in this wise intention." End quote. 
Uh, this is actually woven into the founding of this nation. Okay, 1619 does not identify America. All right, uh, 1619 are part of the sins and the warts of America and American history, but the true fabric and foundation of this nation is advancing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, and I just find it a shame that that part of our history is purged and censored so kids are growing up today and they don't even know that. I just, I had to get all of that off of my chest, but I kind of want to throw that around the table a little bit. And, and let's talk, guys, if we could, about the history of this nation and the the dependence upon God and the promoting of the gospel that originally was woven into the purpose for creating this land. I just love to, Roger, maybe we we'll start with you. You're a pastor also. Your thoughts on that? It absolutely is, Bob. And I think the, the part of the thing that we forget in this country is taking a look at the events the way they did transpire and seeing how the fabric of the American uh, tapestry has the, the hand of faith woven all the way through it. I mean, the, the, there was a recent poll that was conducted, a mainstream poll, uh, asking you know people of all different backgrounds, do you believe that uh, God still has a, a special plan and, and has had you know, America in the, in the crosshairs in terms of you know, his, his divine providence? And 75% of Americans, I mean, whether you're Christian or not, said yes, they do. They honestly believe it. I don't think we're, where we are here on the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving meal it, it, without God's providence. There's no, there's no question about it. But I think that's a part of history that is neglected. It isn't taught. And for everyone who's saying, hey, we really need to tell the whole story of America. Let's tell the African-American history, the Native American, et cetera, et cetera. I'm all for that as long as we don't throw the God part of it, throw the biblical part of it out as well. Because as you duly noted, I mean, there, there, was, a, uh, there was a cooperation that was there that I think people can't fathom right now. And something, part of it has to do with the highly politicized and fractured world that we live in. What you just said with George Washington meeting with Delaware Indian, Indian chiefs. Well, obviously he was going to tell them anything he could to run them over because, you know, quite frankly, you know, that was, that was part of America's plan, you know, to, to, to you know, drive the native out of their ho given homeland, et cetera, et cetera, and all their tribal ancestry, which is, which is silly. I mean, if you look at what was, uh, there were a hundred pilgrims. You know, and half of them were sick and dying. There were probably a dozen pilgrims at the time of the first Thanksgiving who were in any kind of shape to to fight necessarily. They weren't leading a rebellion. They're looking with guys like Squando who showed them how to hunt and fish and and survive. And that basically a lot of the meal, I'm sure, was, hey, we're just glad we're alive. I mean, quite right. frankly, we're that neither neither one of our people groups has walked away. You know, so you know, you guys bring your your venison and we'll get some turkey and some well, waterfowl. We'll just have a have a great time here. Just you know, you give thanks to your God, we'll give thanks to ours. But you can't not see the fingerprints of God all over this nation. And I, I, I think it's we're doing our citizens, but especially our children, a huge disservice by not teaching that part. Absolutely. I'll tell you what, one more quick break, and then we'll uh, talk about uh, some more of this, and then also kind of wrap it up with what we personally are thankful for as we wind down this National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. 
Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef at ltw.org slash listen, and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Kind of winding down the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Uh, Roger, Neil, John, myself, Bob, on this special Thanksgiving podcast. Excuse me, guys. And uh, uh, right now, John and Neil, I'd love to get your take also. John, maybe start with you on the true founding of this nation and how it's really not fair and accurate to define America from the 1619 Project or, or from the racism or the sins of us that really woven into the fabric and the founding of this nation has been a reliance upon Almighty God and an advancement of the Christian faith. That's what's been intended. Warts, sins, and all, Mm -hmm. that was really the driving motivation of forming this country and the philosophy that was woven into the growth of this nation depending upon God. Which I think that's the problem that a lot of, you know, folks on the left and liberals have in general, Bob, is the fact that they don't have, not only do they not have that faith, they actually despise that faith. You, you know, they, they don't like when missionaries go into, you know, uncharted territories where no one else has ever been to to then, you know, convert tribes over to Christianity, you know, feed them, clothe them, do all these different things. You know, liberals hate that. You know, liberals want to go in and just take pictures and leave it, quote-unquote, alone and not have anything to do with what I just said a moment ago. So, frankly, they loathe the fact that I believe—this is my feeling—they loathe the fact that the pilgrims came here in the first place to do just what you said. If they had their way, we never would have showed up here. What's what's funny, though, is, but because we're here and they're still here, or, you know, they're here now because of a result of that, I don't think— I don't see any of them giving up their their land, their even their food for that matter, their table, their their, you know, their apartments, uh, their their ranches, you know, whatever they happen to own. I don't see any of them giving it up and handing it over to those you know Native Americans. They'll just sit back, complain, whine, and write about it, but they won't do anything of action to to you know to handle their own convictions, if you would. Right. Yeah, I'm waiting for some of these Hollywood gazillionaires to hand over the keys to their mansion. Not going to happen. Uh, to the Native Americans, I know. Uh, Neil, your thoughts on the, the attempted rewriting of history of this land and the purging of God from not only the founding of this land, but the, the, the growth and the building of this nation. Because kids, kids going to school today, they're never going to read that part of American history, which is really the foundation of American history. Yeah, the U.S. isn't perfect. It wasn't perfect. It's never been perfect. And But clearly God's hand of blessing has been on this country. I mean, you look at what's been accomplished and the kinds of people we've been able to help over the years uh, through mission work, but also in, in, in governmental efforts. If you look at the kind of you know resources that we send to other countries to provide assistance and aid during disasters and even, um, you know, when things are going well, we're, our, our support of people around the world it's just unbelievable the united states has obviously been the epicenter of blessing on the planet how exactly that occurred uh, is anyone's guess but I, I suspect that it's because this nation was founded to honor god and by the way i had breakfast this morning uh actually coffee this morning with a guy who's a new believer um he was a friend of my older brother and uh came to faith in christ uh, runs a self-defense uh business where he teaches people self-defense techniques but he um he mentioned that, you know, when customers come in and, and they begin having, you know, a uh, conversation with him, that he finds ways, by God's grace, he says, I pray that God will open a door, give me a chance to refer to my faith, to, to talk about the difference that Jesus has made in my life, and then hopefully engage them in conversation about how he can do the same for them. But what you described about George Washington is really the essence of the Christian faith, the idea that God has blessed our lives, that we've 
we've come to know him personally and that he makes a difference. And so the idea that America would be founded to advance the Christian faith, I think is just a, it's a, it's a natural byproduct of the fact that the people that came here knew and loved God. And what we're seeing over the years is a, a turning from the things of God, a turning away from him and, and man in his own strength trying to find ways to fix you know the problems that exist in the world so you know right. we, we throw out words like tolerance and inclusion and so forth in an attempt to eliminate hatred but we actually get intolerance which is why we see so many you know violent protests i put the word protest in quotes a lack of civility in government i mean whatever happened to decorum anymore just in basic conversation um, in the media or in congress you know amongst elected officials what we're seeing is a devolving of human behavior really and um kindness towards one another why because we're walking away from the basic tenets of what it means to be a person of faith to, to yeah. know and love the god who loves us so i don't know i don't i'm not surprised by any of it um we live in a world today that wants very little to do with anything related to the things of god and yet the purpose of a christian has never changed and that is um to make disciples of all nations so um i'm, I'm glad we were founded on that principle i think we have a a lot of work to do to continue this mission because it's only going to get more difficult in the days ahead. I want to jump in on something yeah. that Neil just said about the you know the the tolerance culture because it's so very very true. When you see the push that we've seen over the last two decades to eliminate guilt and shame and hatred and this that and the other thing, I mean, when you get right down to it, there is such thing as godly hate. God hates sin. God hates mm -hmm. people who are stepping outside of His will. God hates people mistreating other people. Though you know what, what was it the Bob Pierce line? Let my heart break with the things that break the heart of God. I mean, for crying out loud, the the, the leftist idea basically. Says, I don't want to have to feel any guilt. I don't want to have to feel any shame. I don't want anybody hating me. Now, if I get mad, well, by golly, it's because you're making me feel bad about myself. But, mm -hmm. you know, at the end of the day, and I, I, I don't mean to sound harsh, God isn't going to give two licks about our feelings on Judgment yeah. Day at all. He's not going to care. Right. He's going to say, are you a friend of God or enemy of God? That's it. Is your name in the book? Is it not in the book? That's it. And, and, and if we don't have that same urgency and that same compulsion that those who are willing to risk their lives and say, hey, not only are we fleeing religious persecution in our homeland, we're coming to the United States, or what would become the United States, and we have this message. And the United States is set up, I don't believe, not necessarily as a Christian nation, but a nation with religious liberty, which gives us basically the freedom that our brothers and sisters and other European and Asian nations don't have and they're willing to go to the wall for it, and we're kind of hanging back saying, gosh, I hope that florist doesn't go to jail. You know, I mean, when you get right down to it, we, we, being bold in our faith doesn't necessarily mean that we have to go on a hunger strike, but it does mean that we have to articulate it. And really, more than that, if 93% of all of our communication is nonverbal anyway, what does Christianity look like to people who aren't Christians? I mean, is it that yeah. attractive? Is it that appealing? That And it, it's more than just saying, well, we're going to have the perfect Christian Thanksgiving come to our house. I know a lot of Christians Christians who knock themselves out over that, I don't think it's necessarily that. It's just who we are and how we interact with people day in and day sure. out. Do they see the real Jesus in us? Absolutely. Well, I'll tell you what, as we wind down this this podcast episode, uh, we're going to talk about what, very briefly, each one of us are, are thankful for. One final thing I just want to throw out there for those that aren't aware of America's true Christian heritage, the very first presidential proclamation of thanksgiving was given by george washington it was october 3rd 1789 and you know he referenced god in three short paragraphs 14 times and he even started it out saying whereas it is the duty of all nations 
to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor, uh, preaching basically to the nations. And the very first United States Congress proclamation of thanksgiving was issued on November 1st, 1777. And I just want to read one quick portion of this that, again, you're never going to read in school American history books. Uh, quote, Be it therefore recommended to the legislative or executive powers of these United States to set apart Thursday, the 18th day of December next, for the solemn thanksgiving and praise that they may join the penitent confession of their manifold sins, whereby they had forfeited every favor, and their humble and earnest supplication that it may please God through the merits of Jesus Christ, mercifully to forgive and blot them out of remembrance, so necessary for cultivating the principles of true liberty, virtue, and piety under his nurturing hand, and to prosper the means of religion for the promotion and enlargement of that kingdom which consisteth in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, end quote. Uh, that's the first official United States Congress proclamation of thanksgiving. That's who we used to be as a nation, uh, and we need to remind people of this and get back to that. But obviously, the most important thing is us in our own lives and being thankful to God, and I just, I just kind of want to take our last couple of minutes here, and maybe just throw it around the table and give everybody a chance to say what it is that they're thankful. There's so much for us to be thankful for. There really is, and I'll, I'll kick it off. I mean, guys, in a, in a, uh, in strictly a, a carnal sense, if you will, in an earthly sense, I'm extremely thankful for, uh, for my family. Uh, for the blessings and liberties that we have in this country. Thankful for you guys, for friends, for our listeners, for being able to be free enough that we can actually espouse our views over the air as we do right now, uh, unlike people in North Korea, China, and other places around the world. But of course, above all, if we had none of this, we would still have our sins forgiven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. And how can we not be thankful for that? Everything else is icing on top. So that's just some of my thoughts and observations. And maybe we just kind of go around the table a, a little bit and uh, get everybody's kind of final thoughts. What, do you, what are you guys thankful for? Anybody that wants to chime in right now with, with what you publicly want to declare you're thankful for? I'll go first. Uh, okay, Bob. Everything you said, you know, a sentiment that you know, largely, you know, we working for and doing what we do with Crawford Broadcasting, this podcast, all the different listeners, the, the, the you know, the people that I've had a chance to meet over the past, uh, you know, twenty plus years doing what we do, has been, you know, just just joyous, and I'm so thankful for each and every and all of you listening. By the way, thankful for each and every one of you. Thankful for those that participate, that that call in, that email, that do all those different things. But also, Bob, just thankful for a uh, group of radio stations that will allow us to say the things that need to be said on a regular basis. We are not hindered any way, shape, or form in what we get on air and talk about when it comes to our values and the things that we do on this podcast on a regular basis. And to have the backing of that, where right now there are talk show hosts around the country that are losing their jobs over vaccines and just stupid things like that, where we have a, mm -hmm. a ownership group that, that looks at things, you know, Don Crawford Sr. looks at things completely differently than the majority of even business owners do in this country. I'm very thankful for that and to know 
him and to be a part of what we do here. And then on top of that, of course, friends, family, the food, the blessings that the Lord himself has has bestowed upon me as a, as a lowly sinner, not deserving of any of it. I'm very, very thankful. Absolutely. Uh, Roger, your, your thoughts. What do you... What do you publicly want to declare your your thankfulness for? Should I have a Roger? Do we have you? I, for some reason, my computer just went ahead and muted me. Uh, I couldn't agree with more with what you guys had. What, what you we're guys th- we're thankful. For, we're thankful you were able to unmute. That's right. That's right. It's, it's great when your mic mutes you. It, maybe they didn't like what I was going to say the first time. But uh, no, seriously, I'm grateful for family and for friends. I'm grateful for the faith that God has given us. I believe it's a gift, and uh, for us to put it into practice to receive the gift of salvation is is everything. And then to have the platforms that we do to share and the callings that we have to share individually and collectively and uh, echo John's sentiment about Mr. Crawford on down and uh, the, the opportunities we have at Crawford Broadcasting and that our listeners benefit from too because it's a mutual exchange and really appreciate that. I'm so grateful for Lisa and uh, I know she is grateful for the love that we share and uh, I'm more grateful though. There's no question about that. And uh, and also for good health too. You know, when you, when you have the some of the challenges that we've had, you know, each of us collectively, um, it's you, you don't take that for granted either. And uh, I, I, my prayer for everyone this Thanksgiving is that we would count our blessings. We, Lisa and I were just talking about this this morning as we were doing our prayer time, about how many people are so richly blessed and they just don't see it because all they see is the problems and they see the pain. Sometimes those problems really are part of the blessings, you know, and they, they challenge us and they God causes us to... Uh, causes growth in our life through the things that look like the real challenges. So my, my encouragement to anyone who's hearing this right now and going through a season where they're saying, well, gosh, it's easy for everybody else to be thankful because my life isn't as great right now. Maybe those, uh, what was the, the song says, maybe those uh, problems are really blessings in disguise. And I, I pray that you would, you would <coughs> basically give us, you know, the, the first Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, rejoice always, pray continuously, give thanks in all circumstances, not necessarily for them, but in all of them but that is god's will for you in christ jesus absolutely and neil maybe a final thought yeah i just i appreciate what you guys have said i just start off by saying how much i appreciate each of you i've learned so much you know listening to your thoughts and opinions and being challenged by you and and um, really grateful for the opportunity we get to do this on a regular basis um clearly obviously thankful for jesus and uh, the many blessings he's brought into my life um, one of the things I, I appreciate most about God is that He cares about little people, and meaning that, uh, you know, the, the God of the universe came and was born in a stable on our behalf, and He came and He appeared to shepherds and broken people, and uh, letting it be known that He died and made salvation possible for all mankind, of which um, I'm included in that. And just very grateful that over the years I've seen His faithfulness even in my unfaithfulness, and that God has met me in that place and, and has brought me to a place of understanding that while I've always loved caring for people and loving other people, that so much of that early in my life was self-centered because, you know, I wanted people to love me and I, I wanted to be important and I wanted to be liked and all those things. And as he stripped that from me and, and has broken me over the years, and I'm still a man in process, trust me, but uh, I've, I just love being free to love people uh, more consistently with the way that he loves them. And to be bolder in my faith, not afraid of what other people are going to think of me, but to be able to stand and, and uh, proclaim his name. And I'm just so grateful 
for the relationship I have with him and the addition of uh, Blythe Elise two months ago to our family. She's such a little pumpkin. <laughs> God is so good. Uh, so I just have a very grateful heart this Thanksgiving, and I'm more than happy to proclaim it. Yeah, that's great. That's fantastic. Well, I'll tell you what, there's a lot to be thankful for, folks, and uh, we would just encourage you to set aside some time in the midst of everything else to genuinely thank God for the many blessings that he has given us. And uh, uh, guys, it's always great catching up with you. Uh, Wish all of you just a fantastic Thanksgiving, and we'll talk with you all next week. All right. Likewise, Bob. Thank you, Thanks, Bob. Right. Thanks, guys. Happy, you bet. Happy and, uh, folks, we appreciate you listening. On behalf of Neil and Roger and John, myself, Bob, thanks, everybody. Have a great and blessed Thanksgiving. Remember, Jesus uh, is exalted above all, and we thank him above all for everything that we have. So thanks for listening, everybody. We're thankful to you as well, and we look forward to seeing everybody next week. God bless. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Media Group production.